to LCR. LCR. Hi, I'm Tom and this is Loughborough Campus Radio. This is now the second episode of Tom Talks Movies. I'm still mainly here to talk about the films that I like, but hopefully I'm also here to entertain you for a small portion of your day. This morning I'm going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a film from writer-director Quentin Tarantino. Just out of the gate I want to say that I really enjoyed this film um, and I'm going to give you a sort of quick uh, plot summary to catch up those of you who haven't seen it. So uh, there's a story predominantly based around Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. They're playing uh, Leo's an actor and Brad Pitt's and sort of his assistant stuntman. Uh, their washed up movie careers and how they intersect with uh, the story of Sharon Tate and the Manson family in 1969 Los Angeles. Leo plays actor Rick Dalton, who gained fame and fortune by starring in a 1950s television western, but he's now struggling to find meaningful work in a Hollywood that he doesn't recognise anymore. He spends most of his time drinking and palling around with Cliff Booth, that's Brad Pitt, He's just, as I said, he's his stuntman. Rick, that's Leo, um, also happens to live next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, the filmmaker and budding actress whose futures will forever be altered by members of the Manson family. So, Tarantino is a unique filmmaker, and he's one of the last directors where you see his name attached to a project, and it feels like a must-see. You might still get that with Christopher Nolan, Edgar Wright, but Tarantino feels like a proper celebrity in the world of directors. He's been saying for a number of years that he's only going to direct 10 films. I hope he doesn't end up that way, but uh, that would make this one his penultimate film, having made such classics as Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill in the past. Somehow I missed his original cinema release for this one, uh, but was lucky enough to catch it with the Loughborough Flick Cinema student-run film society. They put on the film in the Cope Theatre the other week, and the experience was genuinely very fun. Um, using the Cope Theatre, which I think is normally just a lecture hall, didn't feel makeshift in the slightest, and it was really good viewing conditions for the film, actually. Only at £4 a ticket, you get a greater value for money than going to a regular cinema chain in town with a much shorter walk. So... Um, I've already sort of given you the plot recap, so I mean, I'm assuming people who haven't seen it by now probably aren't going to get round to it. It's been out of cinemas for a while, um, but I just want to go into some of the positives, or just my overall thoughts straight away. Um, I've already said I really enjoyed the film, um, but that isn't to say that it's perfect. I think in some cases, Tarantino's own arrogance for his craft added unnecessary bulk to the film. More importantly, to the runtime. His biggest apologists will undoubtedly say that spending such time with characters allowed it to breathe and us to take in the filmmaking. That is true, but if you don't think the film would have been as enjoyable or as technically engaging with 20 minutes of footage added to the cutting room floor, I don't know what to tell you. Because my overwhelming feeling with this film was positive, I want to start there and not come across as being down on it. So the thing that absolutely stood out the most was the incredible world building um, and the way that the film captured 1960s Los Angeles. There's so much incredible footage of Brad Pitt just driving his car around and each scene will have a hundred like vintage cars that he drives past and they're all real. They're all, it's not CGI, it's not digitally digitally painted it's it's there they've shot it on on their 70 million millimeter film um but those car scenes i mean some of it was important to the plot but in most uses there was just a visceral enjoyment because it oozed of tarantino demonstrating his love for the decade and this period of film 
There's one scene in particular that I can still visualise perfectly, and I think it was the opening of the third act, but forgive me if that's wrong, I've only seen it once. So the film approaches the culmination, that final encounter between Leo, Brad and the Manson crew, and the film skips ahead by six months and establishes itself to the scene of Los Angeles Awakening. Uh, the scene focuses probably about a minute long on it. Um, it's sort of neon lights lighting up, looking a little sort of Hollywood tourist attractions, the big scenes. Um, and the visuals, the sound design, the aesthetic of the scene, the LA bars and diners, which was mesmerizing. I'm sure there's some kind of representative aspect with the third film, third act of the film coming to life as Hollywood's nightlife does. But on a purely like technical level, the, the way the scene was shot and that was one of those establishing shots that felt key and very important and uh, transcended the plot as it had been so far. You have to, I'm going to have to shout out the performances of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. They give some of their best performances in years. Here they share the screen as co-leads. Um, so it's unfair to compare it to something like Wolf of Wall Street where Leo was the dominating force on screen. For both actors, it's as good as I've ever seen them. Um, maybe I'm biased towards Brad Pitt's character and scenes in this film. He had a sort of beautiful little relationship with his sort of guard dog going on. And they dedicate... I mean, in a lesser film, they dedicate no time at all to this dog. But this dog was awesome. Um, and I'd have to say that he outshone Leo in this one. It sounds harsh. Leo's obviously a fantastic actor. But I think Brad was the more complete, wholesome character in this one. Um, those two can be en commended endlessly. Tarantino, however, has arguably managed to come across the boundary from loyal homage to kind of almost self-parody. This effort from him seems equally an act of self-reference as it is an exploration of his own ego. If the Tarantino-verse was ever a thing, this is a movie that is about that universe, not one that's set in it. Through parts of the film, it holds a distinct lack of narrative momentum. That seemed to be established only to serve the director's own aspirations of fulfilling an artistic tribute to those who've inspired his work over the years. Tributes that take the original material and soak it in a like, massive Tarantino sponge until he has full ownership of it. Um, for what I'm assuming is the first time in Tarantino's career, this release has felt removed from its intention of putting the story first, and actually the director's latest efforts here at some stage only work for those who are familiar with his work and his behind-the-scenes politics, beliefs, trials and tribulations. One of the very best moments of this film is, and it has actually been quite divisive in recent weeks and months, I'm talking about the ending here, is the filmmaker's in-your-face response to recent criticisms regarding his use of violence, particularly that violence towards women, and the defiance he shows to critics in a in this absolutely rip-roaring finale um, is sort of... I mean, it's so tied in with who he is as a guy. Its conclusion does emphasise the issue at hand, though, that to enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood not only have you got to understand where the filmmaker gets his inspiration, you have to understand the director's very loud voice, um, both as a filmmaker and as a 
just a human being. That that said, like being a human being is distinctly hard to establish for anyone relatively unfamiliar with who he is, or also within the film industry. He notoriously has no problem with movie violence. It doesn't consider real violence and the movies to cover the shades of grey. Rather, it's totally they're totally separated by a fine line. There's an interview where he's questioned on violence and shouts back about it being so much fun. Um, he doesn't seem to really care. You, I think that's part of where sort of his director celebrity status comes from. You can't imagine a new first-time director having such a disregard for uh, society's point of view on it. I think Cat Tarantino has reached the stage where he can almost do what he wants. And that's why there are many moments in the film where he too obviously shines a light on some of his own cinematic tropes. First, I mean, just to get this out of the way, there are too many feet. It's just facts. There's no point... There's no justifying every female in this film taking their shoes off at every opportunity. Tarantino, at this point, is an empowered foot freak, and seemingly there's nothing we can do about it. It seems to... I mean, there's always been feet in his films, but this one particularly was too dirty feet. I don't know if that's a new thing for him. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, it sounds weird trying to give my now second point any validation following that, but Tarantino genuinely does overuse narration, in my opinion. Uh, to explain the story he it's become a very noticeable trope within his films and it's so annoying because it feels as if it's a lazy choice in a film full of hard-earned wins if this were a two-hour film once upon a time in hollywood may have been a much more sleek effort the phenomenal photography and strong narrative base could have been potentially freed from like tarantino's insistence on barking as loudly as possible but it wasn't a two-hour movie. It was two hours, 41 minutes, and it was fun, but it, you felt it. It was, it's, I mean, it's still sleek in comparison to the rumoured original four-and-a-half-hour final edit, um, but the result was one of disjointedness, and just the meandering plot meant sort of it limited, limited the impact you had and investment you had in the characters. Um, it's perhaps the first of Tarantino's films to just feel maybe 20 minutes too long and it wasn't it wasn't 20 minutes added to the end like some films recently I mean it's a stupid comparison to make but earlier this summer I watched Downton Abbey and that film felt like it ended four times over there's like they have a ball someone they start dancing together it's like a nice happy ending oh another scene another scene another scene it, I don't mean it like Tarantino needs to cut the final 20 minutes but um, just little little dotted scenes throughout. Um, maybe the Jackie Chan thing could go. It proved quite. I mean, I enjoyed it. It proved quite controversial. Just take that out, and you move through the plot and get the same impact on Brad Pitt's character, really. But that those meandering plots, I think, is why I can pinpoint my favourite things about this film as individual scenes rather than. Um, a plot or overarching theme. listening to LCR your soundtrack to Love Brad Pitt at the ranch for example he was he'd become friendly with one of the Manson girls while driving about town and it seemed as if she thought she could indoctrinate him but he wasn't too keen on the idea and I was really 
on the edge of my seat during the scene. Um, totally unsure of how the scene was going to play out. That the tenseness you felt sort of really alluded back to the the highs of Tarantino's career. The eerie silence, the growing tension, um, and fundamentally because of the way the character was set up, you didn't want anything bad to happen to him. In a press conference promoting the film, an interviewer had asked Tarantino a question about Sharon Tate's limited role in the film. I'm not sure if the reporter had seen the film at the time, but Tarantino responded brutally, simply saying, I reject your hypothesis. It's become something of a meme since then, um, but I think his point was fair. The clip is so funny because Margot Robbie immediately picks up the microphone to try and resolve the animosity. I think the reason his response was fair was that having seen the film, you can see how well built and respectful the portrayal of Sharon Tate by Margot Robbie was. Sharon Tate was a real American actress and model during the 1960s who was killed by the Manson family. The scene where Margot Robbie goes to the cinema to watch her own film is such quality visual storytelling and her face, her smiling face, reacting to the happiness in the theatre as she acts for them speaks a thousand words. Each of the three leads have a number of scenes where they stand out. Leo is naturally brilliant throughout, um, but there's a scene particularly where you see sort of a comedic side of the character where he's, there's a long dedicated scene to him forgetting his lines in a, one of his more downtrodden periods. Um, and he returns to his trailer in, a sort of, in an absolute fit of sort of anger and internal fury. Um, and he just like sort of tears his own uh, trailer apart and it's, it's like a laugh out loud moment really good stuff. Um, everything about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood screams of a traditional form of cinema that will likely be analysed over and over again in film school for the next 100 years. Uh, and though in a lot of its aspects, visual performance, base narrative, editing techniques during times of tension, the film excels in offering something quite remarkable. This Tarantino release is the most Tarantino of all his releases for better or for worse. Now that's uh, most of my thoughts on the film. Thank you for listening. Um, I'll be back here next week. Um, I'll catch you later.